when we say thanks to God, we want our life to live out itself in thanksgiving as well. Because your mouth has incredible power. Um, you know that your, your mouth can steer a conversation and it can put new light on an opportunity, it can create possibilities. But have you ever walked into a room and started a conversation and it started wrong and you say, wait, I'd like to back up and then come back in the room and start again? They go, oh no, it's too late for that, buddy. Because you started it wrong. Your mouth got you in trouble. You know the saying, and write this down if you don't, if you don't know it. Uh, better to keep your mouth shut and let them think you're a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. And it's that way when you get your, you, we get ourselves in trouble more with our mouth probably than anything else. And yet we want our, our lives to be a hymn of praise to our God, a song of thanksgiving. We want our lives to be that too. Not just our moments of praise and worship. We want our lives to be acts of worship as well. Because quite frankly, not only can we light up a conversation and steer it and enlighten people, but our mouths can get us in trouble. It can instill fear and hesitation. It can create a scarcity kind of mindset. It can raise reasonable doubt, which creates indecision or bad decisions. And that's the story of Israel. It was their mouth that got them in trouble, really, their lack of faith. And it came out of their mouths. Because we're in Joshua 2, but in if you can go back 40 years, Joshua was a young man. The story of Exodus tells the story. They were coming out of slavery out of North Africa, headed up on the east side of what we now call Israel today, and, they're, and they, they want to go into the promised land, and Moses sends 12 spies in. And they go and they see this incredible land. And it is a land that has great crops and vineyards and orchards. It's got great hillsides for the cattle. The cattle are already loaded there. There are wonderful cities that are fortified. It is a beautiful piece. And they come back and they say, this is a land, and these are their words, that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's productive and it is sweet. This is a land, you, you, money can't buy this. This is so good. It's a land with milk and honey. It's productive milk. It is honey. It is sweet. In fact, it's so good, we don't think we can do it. That's what comes out of their mouths. And Joshua and Caleb are two of the 12 spies, and they're saying, but we can do this. Now, why did they say that? They said it because God had told them, this is your land. I'm going to give this to you. This is my will that you take this land. And 10 of them said, no, it's way too good for us. We can't do this. So God said, okay, you won't. And so he, he circled them in the desert for 40 years. 40 years later, the only two survivors of those 12 spies are Joshua and Caleb. And since they're the only two survivors, they're going to go in and they're going they're to they're uh, go into the promised land and they're going to take it this time. They're not going to hesitate. They're not going to step back. So... Joshua, as he's about to go into the promised land, now he sends two spies. Not 12, but two. I find that to be funny. Not 12, because 12 might sway the crowd. Two, just enough to get the information that they need. Guess what they find? They find incredible crops, incredible pasture lands, incredible fruit, orchards, wild beyond belief cities, fortified cities. And they come back and they say, Joshua chapter 2 Verse 24, and they say to Joshua, 
The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the peoples are melting in fear because of us. They're saying, this is incredible land and we're going to go get it. Their response is like 180 degrees different than 40 years before. And I think, frankly, if they come back and say, man, it's incredible land, we'll never make it. We'll never get this. I think they would have been 40 more years, frankly. But because their mouths speak with words of faith, not words of fear, that's what made them move forward. Now, what's the difference in that? Well, the difference is really simple. This land of milk and honey is incredible, and we, we say it's so good. And you may be saying, you know, I know God's will for my life. I've, I've seen it in the Bible. I've read it in the New Testament in particular as it relates to the church. God wants me to live a holy life. I know it's his will. He wants my life, my mind to be transformed. Holiness, First Peter, my mind transformed. Romans 12, he... He's got the, the will figured out that I not worry, but in everything give thanks. Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians, it just goes on. But you say, I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to do that. So how do you move from that fear kind of mindset to faith? Well, the way you do that is it's a matter of perspective. Have you ever gone outside in an evening and the moon is out and it's, it's beautiful, but it looks way far away because it's really small? You ever had that? And then a few weeks later, you go outside and you see the moon, and my gosh, it's looking like it's coming right at us. It's huge. It's, it's, it's way bigger. Why is that? Well, because it's a little closer. Did you know that? And it's in its rotation, um, not only just the, the reflection off of the sun and the atmosphere, of course, but even its proximity to the earth will change a little bit. So it is with you and me. This is your problem. And this is a great God who can solve it. And the closer you are to your problem, guess what? The larger it gets. And guess what your view of God gets? Smaller. Why? Because you're so much closer to your problem. So what do you have to do? You have to pull away from the problem and get closer to God. And the closer you get to God, what happens? You... You see how big God is, that he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or think, and you see how small the problem is in light of how big your God is, you get better perspective on the problem. Okay? Now, you need to speak those words. Those words need to come out of you with words of faith. That's why Ephesians chapter 5 says, Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. Why do you need that? Because you need to hear yourself tell yourself the truth. You need to say it out loud, right? You need to say it out loud because you need to have words of faith, not words of fear. That's why many of us in the car, we have our cartoon right to Christian radio because when we're driving through traffic, we need to hear every good thing, every good thing, right? Because if you don't hear that, you'll be, say, you'll be singing, out of my way, I'm going to plow you down, plow you down. You're laughing, but some of you are writing those words down <laughs> right now. Right? Isn't that true? We need to fill our minds, and we need to speak that. I need to even hear myself say it out loud. This is what I really believe. Words of faith, not words of fear. Now, about this time, you're saying to yourself, well, yeah, this is a positive mental attitude lesson. No, it's really not. It's a God attitude lesson. World of difference. 
I'm not trying to make you the little train that think it can, it thinks it can, it thinks it can. That's not it. It's more like my God is able, and what He says is the will. Then it is the will for me. And if I choose a different path, God will allow that. He did that with Israel. But if I'll follow him, he'll take me down the path of his will. First lesson that we learn from Joshua today is my words need to be words of faith, not words of fear. But that's not where it stops. Turn over to chapter 9, would you? Because the challenge is not just to be faith-filled, but it's, for, but it's also for our words to be faithful, that we can be uh, credible with our words. Well, Joshua breaks into the promised land and he starts to take the cities. And in the midst of this, there is a city that will come to him and misrepresent themselves. And they'll cheat, they'll lie, they'll play the game of deceit. It's called a ruse in the Bible. And what's happening is they're, they're going in and they're saying, we're from far away, and since we're far away, please don't attack us. We need to make a covenant with us. And, and so Joshua does. But it doesn't take long before they realize they've been schnookered. They've given their word that they'll protect these people. But chapter 9, verse 16. Three days after they made the treaty with the Gibeonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors. Oh, dang. You've been lied to. They cheated. They, they, they were so deceptive. And yet, Joshua says, yeah, you, you lie and you cheat and you play this ruse with me and you, you are so deceiving. And so right now you're saying, well, then I can break my word. But that's not what Joshua did. Verse 18, verse 26. But the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord. They had sworn that they, before the Lord, we will not attack you. And they're going to keep their word. And what's at stake is not the credibility, get this, it's not the credibility of the Gibeonites. No. We know them to be liars, cheats, thieves. Right? That's not the issue. We know that what their credibility is. It's nothing. It's really about Joshua's credibility. And it's about his character to be a person of his word. And it's really about his reputation, and ultimately it's about God's reputation because Joshua and Israel represent the Lord. So really, ultimately, God's honor is at the balance. So we say it with our lips. Let's say it with our hearts. Let's say it with our actions that we will keep our word. And in keeping our word, even when others don't, even when others let us down, even when we have this chance to not keep our word, because, no, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep my word no matter what. And what happens is this. It changes not only us, but it helps others to realize there's a God in heaven who will keep his word. The way we know that is this. We're, we've been going verse by verse through Joshua, and that's a good way to study the book. Honestly, it is. But there are also other ways to study. You can study character studies and topicals. It's not about what does the Bible say about fill in the blank. You go look up every occurrence of that. Or you, you can study it by date and time or, or uh, by cities or places or whatever you want. 
But if you were to go through the scriptures, what you'd find about Gibeon is this land called Gibeon, several little small towns and the Gibeonite people. This was their first experience with God-fearing people. It was when they met Joshua. And they lied to them, cheated them, deceived them. And Joshua said, I have every right to kill you, but I'm not going to. He made them water carriers and woodcutters and that sort of thing. And if you go through this story of, of biblical history, what you'll find is the Gibeonites will eventually come around to become God-fearing. But do you know why I think they're God-fearing? Because their first encounter was with Joshua, who was kind to them, more kind than they deserved to be treated. So how about us? If we kept our word, and if we were more kind to the people around us, than they deserved to be treated. You know, occasionally someone will ask the question, okay, when service at a restaurant's bad, I give 10%. When it's good, I give 15 or 20%. When it's great, I give 25%. Okay, you can do that if you like. But what if you flipped that? Not flipped it, but what if someone gave you a horrible, just horrible service? And instead of just leaving a note, like I'm, I'm calling the management and I'm having you fired, what if you left them an enormous tip and then said, I know you're having a bad day. All of us have it. So I'm hoping this tip makes it a better day for the next people who sit at this table. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't you love to be that waiter or waitress? Yeah, I, you know, because you know when you treated someone badly, right? He asked for Pepsi, I gave him coffee. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, he'll, I'll get to it. He asked for meatloaf. I don't, you know, I, I said we're out of it. We aren't out of it. I'm just too lazy. I picked up the wrong plate. I did it wrong. You know, they know what they're doing that's wrong, right? But what if you just said, I, I have higher hopes for you. I think you could do better. And I... And because of that, I'm kind of paying it forward. You put a bounce in their step, wouldn't it? Sure it would. That's exactly what Joshua does with Gibeon. And a few hundred years later, we find out the Gibeonites believe in the God that Joshua believed in. And it comes because one guy decided he'd keep his word. So, number one, let's be people whose words are filled with faith, not fear, and people who keep our word. But that's not all. One more. Go to the back of the Bible, of the back of the book of Joshua, Joshua 24. After more than a decade, scholars tell us maybe 15, as many as 20 years have gone by by the time we get to chapter 24. But a lot of years have gone by. Joshua's probably 100 years old, maybe 105 at this point. He's about to die, and yet the mission is still alive and still uh, working. But what's happening is this. Uh, they've conquered the land, and the land is at rest from war. That phrase occurs several times, which means they've pretty much covered the land, but there are little skirmishes in each of the villages, and they've got to get those taken care of. So there's places to conquer. But what has really happened is this. As people have begun to settle in Israel, they have gone forward with the faith, but that's not all that's happened. They've also been influenced by society. And being influenced by society means that when they've gone in to take a city, they believe in God, but then they'll pick up the custom, the music, the food, the tradition. Now that, none of that's bad, but then they'll take the faith along the, that goes along with all that, and they'll mingle it with their own faith. And all of a sudden, you have a bunch of people who want to, land, who want to take this land for God, but they're doing it with a mixture 
of God-honoring ways and bits of idolatry. And that happens even today. I'll be honest with you. I see it all the time. I see people who, who say, oh, I, I want this kind of choice in my life, and so now I'm going to take that choice that I want, and I'm going to find verses in the Bible that support that. And so they do that, that becomes their idol, that choice. Whether it's a choice or a lifestyle or a decision that they've made, and that becomes the idol. And what happens is this, you get a mixture of truth and error, and it's really good for nothing because it's so polluted. Well, that's what Joshua found is he's now 100 years or 102, 100, 300, 400, 5 years old, and he's about to die, and he says, you know what, we're getting the land, but God still doesn't have our hearts. And so he goes for the hearts of the people. Joshua chapter 24, pick it up at verse 22. Then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. He's saying, you've chosen to serve the Lord, right? And they respond, yes, we are witnesses. In other words, we get this, Joshua. We will serve the Lord. We will do it. Then Joshua said, then throw away the foreign gods that are among you. You can almost hear air sucking at this point. How does he know what's in our houses? How does he know what's in our tents? We told him, oh yeah, we, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. And then we go home to some awful, gosh awful thing that you know is not God's will. And Joshua said, you're not fooling anybody, certainly not God. You're not even fooling a hundred year old guy. It's pretty obvious. He says, then do away with the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Other translations say, it's actually idols that are happening here. And how did this happen, that there would be this kind of mixture? Because people saw personal motive or a point of comfort or something else that they would add to their faith. And so they responded, yes, Joshua, we will serve the Lord and we will obey him. In other words, we will do away with the idols. Joshua's call was for them to be not just people who speak their faith, and who keep their word. But he says, I want, your, I want your word and your action to match. It's time for alignment here. He wants Israel to know that everything that we have gotten, and that's part of this chapters 23 and 24, he's saying everything we've gotten is only because of the mighty hand of God. There's nothing that we've gotten without God's help. So you don't need the help of those idols. You don't need to trust in those things. Give them up. So, zoom ahead a few thousand years. It's Thanksgiving 2015. And this week you're going to break bread and have some turkey or ham or chicken or duck or whatever it is that your house does. And you'll have family in or you won't. And you'll play a little tag football or you'll, you'll go for a walk and you may go shopping for a bit. But just remember, this is your opportunity. This is the week for us to verbally say out loud, I wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for the good hand of the Lord. Just like Joshua says. I find it interesting, Joshua in this, these closing chapters, he actually quotes 
Joshua 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. It's the words of the Lord. I will give you this. You need to do that. He's quoting it as a 100-year-old guy, like he had just heard it the other day. So his encounter with God, he's giving that back to the people to say, the Lord has been faithful, so you need to be faithful as well. We need to understand this week, you need to say it out loud. I am only at this point because of the good hand of God. And so I serve him, I fear the Lord, and I serve him with gladness. And I announce that. It's all because of his grace, his faithfulness, and I will be a follower. The writer of uh, this, the great hymn we sang at the opening of service, praise God from whom all blessings flow, P- praise him all creatures here below, praise him above the heavenly host, praise Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Little kid grew up, a uh, little, little village in England, went away to school, became a poet, songwriter, but also a theologian. He writes the hymn as this, a hymn of doxology, he would call it. There were lots of them at the time. This one really stuck. It really sticks to us today because even though it was written 450 years ago, we still, we still recognize, praise God. Why? Because he's the one from whom all blessings flow. So our prayer this week is going to be number one. That my words be filled with faith, not fear. Just that simple. Faith, not fear. I have a higher expectation of the goodness of God than I do in the lower expectation that I have of man. God is out for good. But that's not all we're going to pray. Our prayer, too, is secondly, that I keep my word. God, give me the grace and the strength to keep my word. And then thirdly, may my words match my actions. So when I say yes, my yes is yes. When I say no, my no is no that I keep my word, and I live authentically, pure-heartedly, fully devoted to the Lord. And then when you give thanks this week, it'll mean so much more. Will it not? Sure. Let's bow together for prayer. In this week, Lord, where we give uh, thanks to you as a, as a nation, Lord, we, we humbly admit every good thing comes from your good hand. And we are particularly blessed. We know that we, uh, when we drive through town and we see s- storage companies and we see driveways filled with cars and we see the bounty of just the stuff, Lord. Every good thing comes from your good hand. We could have all that stuff without our hearts being right, but we could have it, all that stuff with our hearts right, too. The real issue is our heart right. May our words, Lord, be filled with faith. And may we be people who keep our word. And in keeping our word, Lord, may our word match our actions, we pray. So when we give thanks, it's through and through, and everything about us lines up authentically fully devoted we're authentically yours and may Lord may we speak this week not just with words of thanks but words of thanks from our hearts because we mean it do the work in our hearts I pray in Christ's wonderful name